Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org. We're going to have the most important conversation that we could ever have. side of us that rises up that we feel the need to move on and it comes from a heart that is not content with just him in worship when you're just waiting for that next song to start it comes from a heart that says Jesus you're you're not enough This house is known as a people that are all in for Jesus. And what this place is producing is people whose hearts are burning for the very person of Jesus. Not for the things that he can give us, not for the things that we do for him, but for him. Because if we don't have him, we have nothing. But if we have him, we have everything. So this Jesus that we speak of is a Jesus that you find in the scriptures, Jesus of Nazareth. And that Jesus knew that today you'd be sitting in the seat that you're in this morning. He knew that you would walk through those doors this morning. You might think that you're here because someone invited you or someone drug you along, but you're here because God wants you here and he, and he knew that you would be here. It says in the scriptures that he knows the number of hairs that are on your head. It says that his thoughts for you outnumber the grains of sand on the earth. It's a lot of thoughts. He's thinking about you. He knows you. And he knew that you would be here this morning. And so when I was pre- uh, preparing for this uh, message, the Lord said, Johnny, just start off, preach the gospel. I said, Lord, I, I do preach the gospel. He said, no, 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 preach Christ crucified. And I felt so convicted. I've never, I've never just preached the gospel straight through. I brought, you know, the Lord gives me different words and, and different things for different houses, but... Before we go any further, we got to take care of something, which is more important than anything. And that's your relationship with him. So Jesus, with his thoughts for you that outnumber the grains of sand, stepped down from heaven, from the the perfect situation, like he, he was in perfection in eternity being worshipped by all of heaven. The angels, they never stop worshipping. They never stop crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. 
You see, Jesus loves you. He really loves you. And his plans for you are incredible. They're wild. They're, if he told you what they were now, you, would, you wouldn't even be able to fathom them. If the Lord would have told me 10 years ago that I'd be preaching the gospel in different parts of the country and different things, I said, no way. But he's got an incredible plan for your life, and he loves you more than I could really ever say, but I'm going to try to convey it. See, he stepped down from heaven. He gave up all of that. Creator wrapped himself in flesh and became one with his people, the ones that he loved. And not only did he humble himself to becoming a human, but he humbled himself to becoming the seed in the womb of a woman. The eternal God became a seed in the, in the womb of a woman. Who is like the Lord? You see, because there's, there's this thing that separates us from him. It doesn't negate his love for us. It just separates our ability to perceive it, to perceive his plans for us, and that's uh, sin. And the very nature of sin is a separation. It's a veil that veils over our eyes, it veils over our ears, and in it, we're not able to perceive his love, perceive his goodness. We're not able to perceive his plans for us because we are essentially blinded by our sin. But Jesus is not content with the separation. And he did everything needed to tear that veil in half. It was like the Lord. So, he comes down and he walks among us, the Bible says. And what he did but from the beginning, he was ready to lay down his life. It's the reason he came. He said, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down willingly. Because he wasn't okay with the separation. Jesus is not into long-distance relationships. He's not going to text you. He's not going to email you. He wants face-to-face. -face. More than that, he wants heart-to-heart. so Jesus walked in the flesh, really revealing to us the Father's heart and his love for us and an example of what's possible for a man walking in right relationship with God filled with the Holy Spirit. What's possible? He is our example. So Jesus made some bold claims and people didn't like it. And so they plotted to kill him. And so he was placed before the people. He was sentenced to crucifixion. Before he went to the cross, they beat him. The Bible says to beyond even recognition. He wasn't even able to be recognized. They spit on him, they ridiculed him, they mocked him. 
they twisted a crown of thorns and pressed it into his head for his claim of being the king. And they tied him to a whipping post and they whipped him. And they didn't just whip him, they whipped him with the cat of nine tails, which is, which is a, a whip that is intertwined with metal and bone so that when it hits you, it rips your skin off. Jesus wasn't just whipped, he was skinned alive. You haven't heard this, so you haven't heard the gospel. That wasn't, e- all of that leading up to it, that wasn't even for your sin. That was for your healing. So everyone that says healing isn't for today, you didn't make the payment. that wasn't enough they gave him a cross and he put that cross on that back and he carried it up a mountain we have trouble getting to church on Sunday and every step that he took he had you on his mind how do you know that Johnny because the scripture says for the joy set before him he endured the cross and who is the joy set before him it was you he had you on his mind and when he got to the top they, they laid him on that cross and they nailed him to it after nailing him to it they lifted him up a prophetic sign that he was the bridge between earth and heaven the only way to the father and right before he died he proclaimed it is finished he died and he gave up his spirit Three days later, he rose from the dead, conquering sin, death, and hell for all of eternity. Who is like the Lord? And after he rose from the dead, he ascended to the Father, where he is seated now at the right hand of the Father. And you know what he's doing? He's praying for you. The man Christ Jesus, whoever lives to intercede. It sounds too good to be true. But it's true. This is the truth. See, I no longer believe that Jesus is my Savior. I know that he is. And at a certain point, you have to have the confidence to say, it's no longer in the realm of belief. I know that I know that I know 
that I would give my life for the one who gave his life for me. There's a story in the Bible when Jesus comes through the temple and cleanses the temple. The Lord showed me this. That was a prophetic picture of us. He said, did you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? And when Jesus saw that the temple was cluttered with the things of the world, he said, whoa, this has got to be dealt with. And he drove everything out. Same thing with you. When Jesus comes in, he braids that whip and he drives everything out of you that's not from him. So this morning, before we go any further, if you have never given your life to Jesus and you want to, or maybe you've been on the fence for so long, I'm telling you, it's got to be, just be hot or cold. We don't need people anymore misrepresenting Jesus. We do a lot in, in proclaiming the gospel in this area, and people that continue to misrepresent the Lord make it way harder for us to proclaim the gospel. Because before we could tell them about Jesus, we got to fix everything that they messed up. So if you want to give your life to Jesus real for real this morning, no holding back. Like this is all in. It's a life laid down. The Bible says it's the only reasonable response. The only reasonable response to the mercies of God is a life laid down, a living sacrifice. If that's you this morning, I want you to just stand up. All in for Jesus. No turning back. There's, there's no reason to be ashamed this morning. There's no, there's no shame here. He was, he was stripped naked on that cross. You could stand up in a room full of people and proclaim that you're his now. Yeah. Amazing. The most incredible miracle in the world is a heart that turns and says, Jesus, I want you. I want you more than anything. I want you more than breath. I want you more than life. It's the most incredible thing to turn the heart of stone into a heart of flesh. And it's the only by the work of the Holy Spirit that, that can, you can't even say, Jesus, I want you without the help of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that Christ, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so really simply, I'm just going to ask you to repeat after me. See, this, this prayer, this prayer itself is a confession of what's just going on in your heart. Because so many people have prayed this prayer and nothing has changed. But I'm telling you, when your heart says, Jesus, you're all I want, then the things that come out of your mouth will just reflect that. So just uh, repeat after me. Let it come from your heart. 
Jesus. I give you everything. Forgive my sin. Thank you for the payment. Thank you for thinking of me. From this day forward, I am completely yours. And you are completely mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God praise? We worship you, Lord. There's no one like you, God. asks you to do something, you just got to do it, so. I think I'm just going to keep preaching the gospel. (laughs) Who is like the Lord? No one. That story, that reality of what he did never gets old. His mercies are new every morning, and this fresh revelation of that fact, Christ crucified. And if you prayed that prayer this morning, Jesus has come to live inside of you. Everything changes now. You no longer are living for you, you're living for him, which is your original intention anyway. He created you so that he could enjoy you and so that you could enjoy him. wonderful so about a month ago yesterday I was in Orlando at an event called the send 60,000 believers from around the world came together in a stadium um, and we just went after God it was incredible it was electric But the thing that blew me away was how many people my age and younger are selling everything and going to nations that are hostile to the gospel, and they're going with a smile on their face. They're singing songs like, we're going to sing it later, I will preach the gospel, die and be forgotten as long as you get the glory. Are you kidding me? That is an undefeatable heart that sings that song. It's said of the the church fathers. They used to say, we are those that laugh at death. Are you kidding me? Let it be said of me. All in. This isn't like a joke. Jesus didn't like kind of die. He died. He got tortured for you. The least we could do is live for him. The least. And so it really, really struck a chord in me. These people, these kids essentially, and, and adults, I, don't, I never want to leave any age, every age group was represented. But it's just wild to me. There is a new breed <laughs> rising up in this generation. 
It's amazing. Some of us are not called to go to another country, but all of us are called to carry and preach the good news of Jesus as we walk through life. But some of us are called to go. And there's probably people in here that are called. That's why I'm preaching this message today, because the Lord showed me a few things. I personally have been called by God to this beautiful country to be a conduit for awakening and revival, to hand the church a new fire and passion for Jesus and his gospel, and to send out people in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Lord commissioned me. I was at an event called The Send, and I feel very sent right now. <laughs> you see this, this lukewarm back and forth? That thing needs to die. Because I heard this crazy story of, of, of an atheist. I said... He had a dream of there was a bunch of people on one side of this uh, fence that represented the people that loved Jesus. And then on the other side of the fence were the people of the world, and they represented uh, the devil. And so the guy was like, whoa, I don't believe in any of this stuff, so I'm just going to sit here on this fence. And all of a sudden in the dream, everybody disappeared, and the devil appeared before him and said, what are you doing? He said, uh, well, I don't really like Jesus, and I definitely don't like you, so I'm just going to sit right here. He said, buddy, I own the fence. <laughs> there is no middle ground in the gospel. It's all in or it's all out. That's it. But there is a new breed arising. And many of them are in this room. That's why I'm here. Because I am so encouraged every time I come into this room. Your pastors, your leaders, Caesar, Brittany, Andrew, Crystal, incredible, incredible lovers of Jesus. And they do this all the time. This isn't just a Sunday thing. Their, their heart burns for Jesus every second of the day. And that's why you experience Jesus the way you do here. Because they have made a place for the Lord to dwell here. See, there's a new breed arising, a breed consumed with the person of Jesus, an addicted people completely taken up by Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the son of the living God. People that cry out to know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and being one with him in his resurrection. Those are the people being, being risen up for this time and this hour. A new Jesus movement is not coming. It's already here. It's already here. I saw it with my own eyes. 60,000 people in a stadium screaming out to God, representative of 60 different nations in the earth, crying out for revival. Lord, revive your church so we could do everything that you've commanded us to do. Wild men. I'm telling you, these guys are crazy. And it's the only normal response. If you really think about what Jesus did to you, how could you ever live like, um, you know, that was really nice, Jesus. Um, you know, I'm just going to keep doing my thing. But if you really had a revelation of what he did for you, if you really believed what I said before, your life would look so incredibly wild, crazy in love with him. And I'm not saying you're not. I'm just saying that would be the case. Our lives should shout, Jesus. People should marvel at your obsession with 
the person of Jesus. Dude, why do you always talk about Jesus? Because I can't think about anything else. I can't, maybe it's just because I can't sit still for long enough, but I don't, I don't want to watch TV. I don't want to, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. And this isn't to condemn anyone that, you know, I, if you want to play a sport, let's go play it. I don't want to watch it on TV. That's just me. My life has been set on fire by the Holy Spirit. All I want to do is be in this book. And I'm not joking. I'm not just saying that. I'm, I'm just I'm just trying to provoke something in you today. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not lying to you. I'm not trying to be funny. If I'm, if I'm watching something on a screen, it's a message because I want to know him better. I, I don't know anything else. And it, not, it used to not always be like that, but now that I've seen him, I can't go back. And those are the people that are going to change the world for Jesus. Because when the world looks at us, if they don't see anything different than what they're experiencing themselves, why would they ever want what we have? Some of us have never shared our faith with anyone before, and I totally understand that. I've felt that fear before, and occasionally it still rises up in me. But most of us don't need more courage, and most of us don't need uh, more bravery. We are just simply not convinced on how good the good news is. We need to be convinced that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Once you really believe that, you won't be able to walk by people that are hurting and broken. You will be so compelled by love that you have to say something. You have to pray for that that one that you see hurting and broken. I heard this amazing analogy. I think it was from uh, my father-in-law, Pastor John. He said, if you had the cure for cancer and you didn't tell anyone, what kind of person would that make you? You have the cure for cancer. His name is Jesus. We need to be convinced of the gospel. Convinced of the life of Jesus. How, do you, how does Jesus feel about sickness? He was totally shredded to pieces so that you could be healed. And he healed everyone that came to him. How does God feel about sickness? He hates it. It's not from him. So stop telling everyone that it is. An atheist being curious about Christianity began to study what Christianity was all about. And to his surprise, he found that the Bible makes very bold claims of promise, transformation, and healing in all areas. But the biggest claim of all is that eternal life is available only through a saving knowledge and belief in Jesus Christ. He said, if this is true, then why do most Christians never tell anyone about this? If this is true, shouldn't they live with more urgency? This is an atheist. Biblical Christianity is extreme on every front. Extreme. It's all or nothing. 
The church has treated casual what God thinks of as sacred. It deserves our wild, wild pursuit. I shouldn't say it. He deserves our wild, wild pursuit because he is wildly in pursuit of you. I want to give you just a glimpse into the heart of of Jesus. I want to turn to Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38. Give you a second to get there. I just got a new Bible. I feel weird using it. I was sitting down yesterday, and my old Bible is like, not in pieces, but I, I, I got history with God with my, with my old Bible. I felt like, I don't know if I could preach with this one. I've been alone with the Lord with the other one, you know, like, is it going to work? You know? <laughs> so, yeah, so, yesterday, so yesterday, I took out the highlighters and the pens, and I just started going through, getting everything. I was like, all right, this feels like my Bible. This feels like my Bible. I could use it. Let's turn to uh, Matthew 9, 35. It says, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Now, at the first glance, you can see the heart of Jesus for face value in this English uh, translation. But that word, ekbalo, is the Greek word there used for send. And it's a very violent word, not just like hurting people, but it's very aggressive. Jesus didn't just say, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into the harvest. Actually, the word for pray, I'm going to say this wrong, but it's, I think it's a didomai. It's not the normal word for pray. It's actually, I command you to beg me to send more like thrust forth laborers into the harvest. Jesus was so moved with compassion, he was like, we got to do something. We got to send some people out because the fields are white and we don't have enough laborers. We don't have a harvest issue. We have a laborer issue. And so Jesus, Jesus was extreme (laughs) on every front. If he's loving you, man, he's loving you. And if he's coming with fierce pursuit, he's coming, and there's nothing that can stop him. And so here, he's moved with compassion, and he says, I command you to beg me to thrust forth laborers into the harvest. Because someone's got to go. He saw the limitation in his uh, incarnate self as a human. He couldn't be in more than one place at once as a human. But he said, I need to replicate myself in them so that we could go and bring in the harvest. And so that's what just happened with everyone that just gave their life to Jesus. The Holy Spirit came to live in you. Now you're considered a Christian, which means little Christ. So he could send you out, little Christ, to go proclaim the gospel of big Christ and bring in the harvest. He wanted to multiply himself. And he's, he, he wasn't just okay with sending you out. He said, I will be with you. 
because he lives in you. Jesus said when he was on the earth, he said, I do nothing that I don't see my father doing, and I say nothing that I don't hear him saying. Let it be said of us. I do nothing that I don't see my Savior doing, and I say nothing that I don't hear him saying. That's how you represent Jesus well. So this word, ikbalo, it's the same word for, that is used in the Gospels for when Jesus casted out demons. <laughs> what you said before, I don't know where Willie, where Willie is, but Willie said sometimes demons are more obedient to going than we are. The thing is, the demons understand who they're dealing with. And sometimes we don't. But we need to ask the Lord, give me a revelation of who you are so that I could respond rightly when you tell me to do something. See, true compassion must lead to action. If you have... You don't really have compassion on someone if you're not willing to do something to help them. You just have pity. I don't, I'm not sure what the actual word is. True compassion for people is an actual movement inside of you to do something about their situation. See, the, when Jesus was in the temple and he, he, he proclaimed in the scriptures the scroll of Isaiah, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the captives. To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. He goes on to a lot of things, but what's the good news to the poor? You don't have to be poor anymore. What's the good news to the sick? You don't have to be sick anymore. What's the good news to the broken? You don't have to be broken anymore. Right? See, when, when the gospel advances... All of his people are without need. In the book of Acts, they all sold everything and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it says there was not one in need among them. They were gathered in one heart, one soul. I'm telling you, the church is being restored back to the Acts model. Hallelujah. To the book of Acts. And the reason why we don't see the signs and wonders breaking out as steadily as the book of Acts did is because we're, not, we're just not operating in that unity, that one heart, one soul. Jesus, if I don't have you, I, don't, I, 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 I can't live. I can't go on. If I don't have you, I don't want anything else because I could have nothing materially and have Jesus and have everything. But if I have everything materially, and don't have Jesus, I have nothing. There's good news. If you don't have compassion for the lost and broken, begin to pray for people that you know need Jesus, and you will quickly be gripped by the Father's heart and be compelled by love. Ask the Lord for his vision and his heart for people. Now this verse in 38 Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into the harvest. This is a theme throughout the scriptures. And it's a, it's a coming to him, so that's prayer, communion with him, and then the going. Throughout the Old Testament, this is how it was as well. Come to me, and then I will send you. 
That's what the Lord has been saying throughout all of this time, throughout eternity. Come to me, and then I will send you. There's a verse. It's actually pretty funny. This is how the Lord talks to me, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit more. But he talks to me sometimes through, like, if I glance at the clock, he'll remind me of a verse that is that time, right, that time, or, like, a, a date. He'll, he'll show me. So today is 324, right? So Ezekiel 324. I just want to read it to you quick because it's pretty cool. Whenever I feel the Lord speaking to me, I just say, Lord, I, I love hearing your voice. So however you want to speak to me, just speak to me. If you want to talk to me through the clock, I'm cool with it. Is it 324? Yes. So I'm actually going gonna, gonna to back it up here. Actually, no, it starts at 24. Ezekiel 3.24 says, but the Spirit entered into me. That's what happened today. The Spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. And he spoke with me and said, go, shut yourself into your house. So he's calling them, calling uh, the prophet away to be with him. He said, and you, O son of man, behold, cords will be placed upon you, and you shall be bound with them so that you cannot go out among the people. And I will make your tongue cling to the roof of your mouth so that you, will, uh, so that you shall be mute and are able to reprove them, for they are a rebellious house. But when I speak to you, I will open your mouth, and you will say to them, thus saith the Lord, he who will hear, let him hear. So for eternity, God has been calling his people away to him so that he can give them a word, let them enjoy his presence, and then get a word from him, and through his commissioning and sending, to carry that word to the people. And that's what the, what, that's what the heart of the scripture that I read before. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into the harvest. It's come to me, I'm going to prepare you, then you're going to go. It's intercession and the preaching of the gospel. They are intrinsically inseparable in the spread of the gospel. They are both essential to each other. People praying for the lost are completely intertwined with the preaching of the gospel. And what the Lord showed me is that when we're praying for people, we're, we're working the ground. We're plowing the soil so that when the laborers come, they can spread the seed and it can land on good soil. So as we intercede for people, as we cry out for souls, just, I'm sure we can think of at least one person that needs Jesus in our life. Lift them up before the throne of grace every single day and say, Lord Jesus, bring your son and daughter home. Send forth laborers into the harvest so that they can come home. And the thing I love about this is this is home, so they could come home. And so for me, the, the, the mantle of, uh, of intercession and, and the proclaiming of the gospel was something that I felt really tangibly land on me after the send. I was praying in the car, and normally most of my prayer times were really quiet, really silent before the Lord, still before the Lord, just waiting on him, enjoying him. But something came over me, 
and I began to intercede for people, cry out for the lost, like I never have in my life. You, this might be hard, hard to believe, but sometimes I have a hard time of stringing words together in prayer. So I pray in the spirit a lot. I pray in tongues because I have a hard time of actually articulating what my heart is feeling. But for some reason, when the spirit came on me, I just started, I was like, hmm, that's good. You know, just <laughs> going after it. Lord, go get them, you know. I can't even replicate it now, but. Not all of us are called into vocational ministry, but every one of us can intercede for the lost. Every one of us can preach the gospel, not only with our words, but with our life. Paul says uh, about being a living epistle, written, right? Your life should profess the goodness of God. And so for me, he, the Lord showed me that intercession is, it's, it's, it's from Jesus, it's with Jesus, it's for Jesus, and it's unto Jesus. It's all about Jesus. That's what our life is supposed to be. See, if you go to the lost for the lost, you missed it. Go to the lost for the lamb. That was slain. Because I promise you, you won't, if you're going for the lamb, there's no way you'll get there without a heart for them. Because he'll give you his heart. Uh, when I was, after I prayed this, I was praying it. And it was so crazy because every day that week, it was a short week, I got home from the send on a Tuesday. Wednesday, I went to work. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, every day this happened in the car. I'm praying out, praying for people, praying for people. On Friday, I missed my exit going to work because I wasn't paying attention. I was just, and on my way home, I missed my exit. And I was like, I was like, dang, you know, I'm, I'm, what am I doing? You know, I've got to pay attention. And really quick, for a second, a voice came in and said, Johnny, you're missing it. But right away, I knew that that wasn't the Lord. And directly after my heart acknowledged that that wasn't from the Lord, the Lord said, Johnny, if you pick up this mantle, I will take you further than you ever wanted to go. See, we have to be with him to know his voice. If we don't know his voice, we will listen to the other voice. If you pick up this mantle, which I believe it's available today, intercession and the preaching of the gospel, Jesus will take you further than you've ever dreamed of going. I want to show you, it kind of, kind of relates back to the dates and and times thing that the Lord always speaks to me through. Very prophetically, my, my, my grandma used to always intercede for me. And I am preaching the gospel today because of a wild intercessory prayer woman in my grandma. I was far from the Lord for a number of years. And, the Lord, and, and, the, and my grandma never stopped praying for me. Every single day lifting me up. I was, sitting, I was sitting at work the other day. I was sitting at work the other day, 
And I'm telling you, I'm obsessed with Jesus. So I just have worship music going on or I'm listening to a message or something. And the Lord, I'm, I'm working at my desk and, and the Lord just began to show me a vision of, of my grandma in her prayer closet praying Matthew 9, 38. Lord of the harvest, send forth laborers into the harvest. Use my grandson Johnny to make Jesus famous. Over and over and over. I had to run to the bathroom because I just started weeping. <laughs> I am a result of an intercessor in my grandma. My grandma passed away February 14th. It was Valentine's Day, 2018. And this is how the Lord speaks to me. If he doesn't speak to you that way, it's cool, but this is how he speaks to me. 2.14, February 14th. 2 Kings 2.14 says, He took up the mantle of Elijah that fell on him and struck the waters and said, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he also struck the waters, they were divided here and there, and Elisha crossed over. I was like, Lord, you're amazing. Lord, if you don't talk to anybody like that, I love it, so keep it coming. <laughs> Get this. Seven days later, Billy Graham passed away. 2.21. Acts 2.21 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Are you kidding me? Intercession and evangelism. My grandma and Billy Graham. <laughs> and when, before Billy Graham passed away, uh, there was a prophecy that said, when, look to the time when Billy Graham passes, for his mantle is coming on a whole generation. It's not passing to one person. It's passing to an entire generation that will pick up the call and run with the gospel to wherever the Lord calls. And see, in the Old Testament, the mantles were passed after someone passed away. And in this situation, it's what was prophesied. But I'm, I'm, I'm letting you in on a secret. The mantles are still available right now on the floor waiting to be picked up. They're before us today. And I believe, I, I believe in impartation. I believe that you can lay on hands onto people and release what the Lord's given to you. Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. What was he talking about? He was talking about the Holy, the Holy Spirit and the anointing. That's what he was talking about in the context. Um, so when my grandma picked up this mantle and the power of this revelation of intercession and sharing the gospel, it transformed my entire immediate family and a majority of my extended family as well. I know Jesus because my grandma took the Great Commission seriously. I am a preacher of the gospel because my grandma brought me up before the throne every day. Uh, if I could have the, the, the worship team. Yeah. I'm going to read you two stories that are going to blow your mind. And then we're going we're gonna to commission some people to carry the gospel. Listen to this. New York City, September 23rd, 1857. A businessman named Jeremiah Lamphere feels an impression from the Holy Spirit to start a lunchtime prayer meeting, interceding for the condition of the nation. This was three years before the Civil War started. The country wasn't in the, the best of shape. So this man, impressed by the Holy Spirit, felt compelled to start a prayer meeting. No one was going to preach. It was just going to be prayer, interceding for the nation. 
After much effort, Jeremiah passed out over 20,000 flyers advertising the meeting, and only six men came to the prayer. This is a businessman. He's not a minister. Two weeks later, the stock market crashed. In just three months, the prayer meeting grew from six to 10,000. Those 10,000 began a meeting every day for prayer. This isn't a made-up story. This is a real story. Every day for prayer. Hundreds were being saved without anyone preaching the gospel. The power of the Holy Spirit was coming into those meetings so strong, no one had to lead anybody to Jesus. Jesus was there. Hundreds were being saved without anybody preaching the gospel. These were only prayer meetings. The Spirit of God came so tangibly that in New York City, there's a report that five ships coming into port began to cry out to God in repentance before they even made it to the city. Ten miles offshore. New York newspapers recorded the events, and when word spread, revival broke out in cities across the country. In Cleveland, in uh, St. Louis, thousands gathered in churches and theaters three times a day to pray for the nation. In Chicago, there were waiting lists for people to teach Sunday school. Across America, pastors were baptizing 20,000 new believers every week. Revival spread to 50 nations, and in England, entire, entire towns came to Jesus. The police officers found new jobs because there was no crime in the cities. That's revival. So many people came to Christ that services were held outside in fields because of the crowds. This is what happens when the church prays for souls. You heard my story. You heard this story. Now I'm going to tell you your story. This is going to blow your mind. I hope you're ready. A hundred years later, in 1958, there was a man named Dick Simmons from New York City. Moved with compassion by the Holy Spirit for the gangs in New York, he began screaming at the top of his lungs, Matthew 9:38, Lord of the harvest, send forth laborers into the harvest, over and over and over again, over the Hudson River. The cops were called by the neighbors. For disturbing the peace and when the cops got there they said why are you yelling he said I'm praying for the gangs the cops said keep going <laughs> he was praying for the gangs and the, the police officers told him to carry on that same night on the other side of the Hudson River a man picks up life magazine and begins reading an article on the gangs of New York this man is moved with compassion to the point of action and confronts a group of gang members on the street with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That man's name is David Wilkerson. For you, for those that don't know, he started Teen Challenge and your pastor is a result of Teen Challenge. Are you kidding me? church would not exist if David Wilkerson didn't go and David Wilkerson wouldn't have gone if Dick Simmons didn't pray 
are a direct result of this revelation. I want to share a dream that the Lord gave me last year and how he confirmed it. The Lord gave me a dream last year in 2018 about Long Island. It was on a YouTube screen, a map of Long Island. And the, the timer was going through, and it was about right where Shirley is, right where Mastic is. And the title of the video was Revival is Coming. Revival is Now. On September 28th, 2018, this Newsday article, two weeks after I had that dream, signs of revival in one struggling Mastic Beach. Are you kidding me? Now, they were talking about economics, but Jesus was talking about the Spirit. He was talking about revival coming to this area. You may say, Mastic Beach is too far gone. I say, no, it's not. You see, this town used to be super well off. This town used to be a destination for people to come in the summer. And the reason why this town has been hit so hard is because for generations this has been a place where people are sent out to carry the gospel. Over a hundred people from this area have been sent out to preach the gospel over the last couple generations. That mantle has since been dropped but your pastor is picking it up. The Lord confirmed this by the school that's coming. There's a school here coming to train up pastors and leaders and missionaries to go out into the harvest. There's prophetic destiny on this town, and that's why it has received such an assault from hell, because it doesn't want... The only time the devil acts is when he knows something's about to go down. I'm telling you, there are mantles awaiting to be picked up from you this morning. This town is about to get flipped upside down with the gospel. Many are gonna be coming to salvation. Many are going to be healed miracles, signs, and wonders like the book of Acts. Write it down. It's coming. The Lord showed me this house has a very apostolic mantle, and that's the sending. You're going to send out a lot of people. I'm seeing nations around the world being affected by what comes out of this place. That's what the Lord's showing me in the Spirit. I know your pastor is faithful to pick it up. Are you? Are you faithful to pick up this mantle? Thank you for listening to Home Church's podcast. To go deeper into the message, text DEEPER to 66866. If you would like to give to this ministry, you can text the amount to 631 693 4176 
or visit us at myhomechurch.org backslash give.